We'll begin with the lighting of the Advent wreath, which is found in your blue insert. Last Sunday, we lit the first candle, the candle of hope. Today, we light the second candle, the candle of peace. We light it knowing full well that peace is elusive, and in some parts of the world, it is almost completely absent. Yet in this season of Advent, we trust that God is never absent from us. God is always preparing something new. And even where there is war and discord, whether between countries, within families, or within our own hearts, God is present, gently leading us to new possibilities. All loving God, in this time of preparation and planning, we thank you for the hope and peace you unfailingly offer us. Show us the creative power of hope. Teach us the peace that comes from justice. Prepare our hearts to be transformed by you, that we may walk in the light of Christ. Take your encouragement from Christ, that your joy may be complete. We will share with the Spirit. We will find consolation in love. Practice a ministry of humility and compassion, for God is at work in you, empowering you. We will welcome Christ into our hearts. We will live lives challenged by the gospel. We will live in hope and in peace. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. There is one body and one spirit. There is one hope in God's call to us. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. <clears throat> Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our ways, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first lesson is from Isaiah. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or by what is, decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity the meek for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath from his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child 
shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in the psalm found in your, your insert, Psalm 70, 72. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son, that he may rule your people righteously and the poor with justice, and the mountains may bring prosperity to the people, and the little hills bring righteousness. He shall defend the needy among the people. He shall rescue the poor and crush the oppressor. He shall live as long as the sun and the moon endure, from one generation to another. He will come down and rain from the moon too, like showers on the water of the earth. In his times righteousness is perished. There shall be Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous deeds, and blessed be his glorious name forever, and may all the earth be filled with his glory. Amen. Amen. The second reading is from Romans. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the matriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John bore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to see him and all the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to rise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. It's a joy to be back at St. John's. I was here last time, I think 30 plus years ago. I was sharing that with some folks this morning. I came, I was the rector of another church in the Diocese of Milwaukee, and the bishop asked me to come and do some consulting work with the vestry here then, and I remember it well. I haven't been here a long time, but I walked through the doors this morning and went, St. John's, of course. I don't think that hall was here, though. <laughs> it's an impressive church, this one, I have to tell you. It was 30 years ago, and it is now. There are not a whole lot of churches that, without blinking an eye, could sing a cappella. <laughs> Speaks volumes. Well, at another church gathering with some children on the first Sunday of Advent, I asked the kids, they were gathered around, I asked them for a show of hands about who had their Christmas tree up already. Lots of enthusiastic little hands immediately shot into the air. In fact, I don't think there was a small arm that didn't go up the excitement in the air was palpable. Then, when I asked these kids if anyone could guess why in church we didn't have a Christmas tree or lights or ornaments, why in fact all we had was this pretty simple wreath, there was dead silence. 
and a lot of earnest but bewildered staring into space. Finally, one bright little girl piped up and said this, maybe, maybe the reason is you couldn't remember where you put the boxes last year. <laughs> well, the truth is, at that church where I was, and I suspect in this one, we do know where we put the boxes. And here, all that is stored in them will not go up until Christmas. No, our peevish refusal to join the prematurely departed Christmas train has to do with something else. Our refusal to rush headlong in the Sunday after Halloween, like the rest of the world. We have reasons for not jumping on that premature train. Here, we're attempting to remember something far more than where we stored all our stuff last year. Here, we're taking the time, sometime, anytime we will allow ourselves. Here, we are making time to remember who we are. Here, we're asking to remember who we are and who we are not. Just who do you think you are? We ask in aggrieved tones when someone has offended our dignity. Who do you think you are? It's a good question. Who do we think we are? And what's the evidence for our answer? Advent. Advent, the season of Advent comes with an answer. Advent offers an answer, an antidote to a chronic condition infecting the human race in various versions, all of which fall under what we might recognize as the imposter syndrome. It's our predisposition to claim roles which do not belong to us, to seek the apparent security of status and the illusion of control which comes from our use and abuse of power. The stuff that's on full display all over our fractious political life. I could go there. I'm not going to. I don't think I need to remind any of us how fractious our political public life has become. Power struggles. But here, here in church, here in the church, we will not rush prematurely to the comfort and joy of the manger without first taking stock of the fact that it is a manger, a barn, a horse trough where we find the naked baby born to refugees. And we will not sidestep those troublesome human realities of the birth of Emmanuel. We won't get to Christmas without taking time to consider our own human plight, the fragility of our race which God has made his own today, and all the days of Advent, we're invited to look in the mirror. Sometimes I'd rather not. I like the exalted view of myself that's in my head someplace, not the one that I know to be true. John the Baptizer, you know the joke, of course, don't you? The little girl who came home, tell me you know this joke. The little girl who came home from Sunday school one. Advent Sunday, and said, I am really tired of hearing about John the Baptist. I want to hear about John the Episcopalian. <laughs> Precocious little child. 
John the baptizer knew the temptation to claim a role that was not his own. He was a rock star, John was, and the crowds were coming down to the desert for the show. Elsewhere in the gospel, we get a glimpse of what John could have claimed for himself. When they came to him and asked, are you the one? Are you the Messiah, the one who's coming to finally set us free? John could have said yes in any number of ways. He could have played at being God. But John had looked in his soul's mirror and he knew the truth. I am not that one, he said. The one you're really looking for is coming after me. I must decrease while he fills the screen. John knew that he wasn't God. And that gave John the freedom to tell the truth to others, the freedom and the power to be a prophet. John's tirade this morning isn't much of a holly jolly Christmas, is it? You brood of vipers, he shrieks. Can you imagine the spectacle? The scraggly prophet living off locusts, half-dressed, wild-eyed, brood of vipers. Look at you Pharisees, as another translation puts it. What do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? You're imposters too, he says to them. Claiming Abraham as your ancestor means nothing. Your Episcopal Church affiliation is not a ticket to anywhere. I don't care how long you've worked at that job, paid your taxes, voted the right way. God is not impressed, is what he's saying. Not as long as you think that those are the things that win God's favor, they don't. Repent, he says. Turn around. Stop trying to manufacture your own salvation and wait for the one who is coming to wash you clean and make you brand new. Remember who and what you really are. This remembering, this kind of remembering is a matter of life and death. The hateful demonizing of the other that seems to be so much in the news in this country and across the world, it should terrify us. To lose touch with the reality of our common humanity is to trade our humanity in for monstrousness. To indulge in fantasies of endless well-being fueled by comfort and easy credit is to invite a terrible crash. To submit to the glamorous violence of guns and games of endless retribution is to court death. To play at being God, to live in the illusion that we are masters of our own and others' destinies will lead us only to destruction. That's the truth. The gospel is good news, remember. John doesn't sound much like good news on the face of it. But what he's after is the ultimate good news, namely that there is no way we could ever save ourselves, no way we could ever manufacture our own salvation. There is nothing, nothing, nothing we can do to please God. God is already and forever well pleased with us. In Christ, we just few refuse to believe it. I don't know why else we reach out, lash out, hitting out so much as we do.
We can't believe we are loved, and so we project out onto others. Drop of a hat. I do. I don't know about you. Especially in bad traffic. For some <laughs> I live in Chicago, so I'm just saying. I, I smile when I hear people in Milwaukee where our office is. That, oh, the traffic was horrible this morning. But I have yet to see traffic in Milwaukee. <laughs> Because that lashing out, that demonizing of the other that we're so good at, it's not just out there. (laughs) I am more and more aware of how much I'm tempted to play at being God. Maybe at this time of year you are too. How I try to play God by making other people's decisions for them, by trying to run other people's lives, by how upset I get when they don't see it or do it my way, How I try to play God in my own life by working too much, worrying too much, ignoring my own need for rest and balance and play. It is perhaps a subtle form of forgetting who and what I really am, but it's rampant in the culture you and I live in. Workaholism is one of our few remaining socially acceptable addictions. 24-7, constantly attached to our devices. But it is an addiction, and like all addictions, it kills all the time. Only God has all the resources, never need to rest, and even God, according to the story, took a day off. So, today I'm inviting you to remember, in just a few minutes we're going to be renewing the solemn vows and promises of holy baptism led by our confirmands, and those renewing their vows. We're all going to stand there with them and renew our vows, and I want you to listen carefully to the vows you make, because they're all about telling ourselves the truth of who we are and who is the only source of life. We promise to live more and more and more like the Lord we follow. Where's the crucifix? There's one over there. (laughs) I was looking for one. I thought there was one up here. We promise more and more to live like this, like the Lord we follow, not like this, the way the world does it. We promise to follow the way of the cross, to follow Jesus in living as undefended as he did, knowing full well that if we dare to live like this, someone may very well come along and nail us to the cross too, but living out of the deepest possible conviction that this is the only way to any real life worth having. Because it's all gift, dear friends. Every breath, every good gift comes from God alone. And our job is to open wide our hands to receive. Look around you. Look inside you. You have not created yourself. God has made his home in us waiting to be found. The food we receive at this table, the life we live on Sunday and Monday afternoon and Thursday morning, it's all from God. And it's more than we can imagine.
Thank you for joining the St. John the Divine podcast. If you're interested in worshiping with us, you can visit us at 9 a.m. at our church, which is at 216 East Chandler Boulevard in Burlington, Wisconsin. If you want to learn more about us, you can click the link in the description or visit stjohnthedivine.org. Just remember, we're the one in Burlington, Wisconsin, not the Cathedral in New York. Have a great day. Bye.